0: You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter number five this morning, if you would. Uh, We're continuing our series entitled Alive Together. We've been going through since the beginning of the year, just verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. And today we find ourselves at the beginning of uh, Ephesians, chapter number five. Uh, If you missed any of the messages so far, get caught up on our website. The last two weeks have been really heavy messages. Uh, Last week, we took a look at the assurance of our salvation, how salvation is only available through Jesus Christ alone and only through uh, faith and repentance. Uh, And so we took a look at that last week and how we can know for sure that we're saved. The week before that, we took a look at uh, sexual immorality and how the Bible says to run from that. If you missed those messages, get caught up on our website at huikala.org. Today, we're taking a look at, last week was walk in assurance. The week before that was walk in purity. This week, we're taking a look at walking in the light. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we find ourselves this morning. We're just starting in verse number 5, I'm sorry, verse number 1, just for the context of the passage. We're going to read down through verse number 14 this morning. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 1. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints, neither filthiness or nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is that good and acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it's a shame to even speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Light is an interesting thing for us. Light is one of the things that we use to determine what our days look like. It separates nighttime from daytime you ever fallen asleep to take a nap in the afternoon and you wake up and it's pitch black in the house and all the lights are out and it's dark and you're like, what just happened? Uh, you're like, is it two o'clock in the morning? Only to find out, it's probably only six o'clock or so. Sometimes I've slept to like the next day and you're just like, what on earth just happened? And light is one of those things that we use to differentiate uh, what's going on with life. Uh, light is unique in the fact that uh, it brings us comfort, uh, whereas darkness sometimes brings fear. Uh, If you're on a dark street late at night by yourself, you might have fear. But if you uh, have a little bit of light there, it brings you a little bit more comfort. Uh, And uh, we are a van. Our kids like to eat in our van all the time. And if you have kids, you know, the kids don't always clean up after themselves. And you find fries inside cracks of seats and stuff like that. And uh, gummy worms that are like permanently meshed to the seat and you can't get it off and things like that. But living in Hawaii is unique in the fact that we have many uh, types of bugs that like to eat your food for you, right? But the awesome thing about Hawaii is that most of those bugs don't come out until it's nighttime, right? And so you go to get in the car late at night and you flip on the interior light and you see things begin to scatter, right? That's always exciting and light causes bugs to scatter. Uh, That's a good thing too. The Bible talks much about light versus darkness. Darkness or light was one of the things that God created in the beginning. God uh, said, let there be light, and there was light. God spoke it into existence. Light has always differentiated in the Bible, good versus evil. Uh, God is a God of order. God is a God of of, uh, distinction in the fact that God created light and darkness Uh, In the world, there is good and evil, uh, and God uses light as a way to distinguish that. As we look at this passage here, he says that we are the light. Light changes everything. And if you and I are living the way that we should, the way the Bible commands us to, we should change everything around us. I think most of us would agree we live in a pretty dark world today. All you have to do is turn on the news for about 10 minutes and you'll be greatly discouraged. Uh, That's why I don't watch the news anymore. I I get news secondhand or somebody sends me an article or something like that because I just get discouraged watching the news Uh, because we live in a very, very dark day. But this gives us the opportunity as Christians to shine our light even brighter. It's been said before that the light shines brightest in the darkness. And if we're living in dark days, we as Christians have the opportunity to be able to shine very, very brightly, but... We have to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. As you take a look at this passage this morning, we see, uh, first of all, the challenge that Paul gives. Now, mind you the context of this. He says, I want you to walk as dear children of God. I want you to live as children of the king. I want you to obey what your dad, God, has told you to do. Secondly, I don't want you to get mixed up in the things that the world is getting mixed up in. I don't want you to fall into the trap of sexual immorality. I don't want you to fall into the trap of covetousness. I don't even want you talking filthy, being ugly, making inappropriate jokes because you're different. And he goes on to say uh, that that the distinction of Christians is they would live a different life. And he goes on now to say that he wants us to live in the light. First of all, if you're taking notes this morning, and I recommend that you do, first of all, see this. Uh, Paul challenges in verse number six, don't be fooled by the world. He says, let no man deceive you with vain words. The word vain means useless or empty words. He gives us this challenge because he knows what our heart is prone to do. Our Our heart is prone to believe the lies of the world. Our heart is drawn towards the things that this world has to offer. All we have to do is watch some commercial on TV about some new feature that some new cell phone has, and we're immediately hating our own phone that we have, right? It's, t- it's old, it's tired, it's worn out, the battery doesn't last as much, and oh, if I could take pictures like that, wouldn't that be awesome, right? And before you know it, we've bought into the lie that that's what we need. We watch uh, some television commercial about how easy it is to push buttons and all the, uh, the doors on your car open, uh, or, and we immediately become dissatisfied with our own car. I saw somebody getting out of a Tesla the other day with those, those uh, gull-wing doors on it, and I thought to myself, man, that's like a back-to-the-future DeLorean, right? Like, I saw it, and I'm like, I want it. And it's got like this big, huge, massive, like, touchscreen in the middle, like, ooh, I want it. Do I need it? No, but I want it, right? The Bible says don't be deceived by those things. Don't be drawn to the things of this world because the satisfaction that the things of this world has to offer have an expiration date, It's only a matter of time before that doesn't bring satisfaction any longer. And he says, don't let anybody deceive you with empty words. Don't let them draw you away from uh, what you know to be right. Two weeks ago, we took a look at uh, pornography and uh, premarital sex and adulterous uh, affairs and things along those lines. Our world today would say that pornography is normal. It's not that big of a deal. Everybody looks at it. The Bible says, don't be deceived by that. Don't be deceived by it, it's a lie, it's a trick, it's a trap. Our world today would say, you don't have to marry somebody, you just have to be in a really committed relationship to each other, you can move in together, you can have joint bank accounts. Uh, Just just do things, try it out for a little bit and see how it works for you, and then you can, if you decide later you wanna be married, but you probably shouldn't because marriages fail, right? That's what our world says. You could try it if you want to, and we've bought into that. The Bible says, don't be deceived by that. Well, Christians, you know, we can't live the way the Bible says to We just have to kind of do our best every day. You know, the Bible's pretty strict in the way that it asks us to live and uh, it can be constricting in our lives and keep us from having fun. You don't really have to live that way. The Bible says, don't be deceived by that kind of talk. You've been called to be different. And if our world is dark and I think we would all agree that it is, then somebody needs to shine a really, really bright light during these times. Not just gripe that it's dark. I'm grieved with Christians who just wanna complain about the state of society today, but they have no desire to be part of the light. I'm grieved with Christians who think that we can elect people into office that will fix the darkness for us, but don't actually wanna be a part of the light. That's a problem. You know what the Bible says? Don't be tricked by that. Don't be fooled by that. You're different. You're distinct. Don't be sucked into the way the world wants to lead you. Because here's the thing there's no joy in what the world has to offer. There is one source of joy, and there's only one. And that is God himself is the source of all joy. God has given us his son Jesus, in whom we find great joy. He's given us his Holy Spirit. If you're a child of God here today, you have the Holy Spirit residing inside of you and there's a source of joy there. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. First two fruits right there. But what the world has to offer, there's no joy there. There might be fleeting happiness for a very brief period of time, but again, it comes with an expiration date. It's only a matter of time before that that exciting, shiny thing that new relationship that you're in, the uh, shine begins to wear off of it. And the Bible says, don't be deceived by that. There's no joy that's found there. There's no hope that's found there either. Our source of hope is found in God and God alone. God gives us the promises of his word as a place that we can find hope. But the world has no hope to offer. You see, all the hope that the world can muster up is in people, movements, political action parties. We're not gonna see change there. It requires Christians to go back to our source of hope. God is our source of not only temporary hope in this world that we live in today, but he's the source of our eternal hope. I not only have hope for today and tomorrow, but I have hope for all of eternity because of what God has done for me. And the type of hope that we speak of in this case here is not like a wish. It's not like, I hope I get this Friday off. I hope my wife doesn't make me go shopping on Friday. That's not the kind of hope that we're talking about there. That's like a wish. Funny story, in our house, I'm usually the guy who's like, we should totally go to the store today. And my wife's like, it's crazy out there. Look, like, let's go be crazy. Uh, and so I'm usually the one that ropes everybody into that. Uh, but. Um, The idea of hope in this case here, when the Bible speaks of hope, this is not like a wish, like I hope things get better or I hope that doesn't happen. The biblical idea of hope is a a committed faith in God based on his character. I can trust in God knowing that he's gonna take care of all this because he is faithful, because he has a track record of faithfulness, because of the promises of his word. I have a sure hope, the Bible says. It's steadfast in the person of Jesus Christ. The world offers no hope. The world wants to rearrange things for a short period of time until they decide to move on to the next thing. God's word has stood for generations. It stood for thousands of years. It's faithful, it's true, and you can find hope there. But here's the really, really important part about what the world has to offer and why we shouldn't be deceived by it. Because everything that the world offers, the only thing that is found there is wrath. You say, well, that's a pretty heavy word. Look at verse number six and see what it says. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. (laughs) Let me help you with something this morning. The children of disobedience is us. If you have a heartbeat here today, you are part of the group that is referred to as the children of disobedience. You see, we were not born into the family of God at birth. We were born enemies of God at birth. We were not born into becoming the children of God at birth. We were born, as the Bible says, Jesus said to the Pharisees, if you're of your father, the devil, The idea that all creation is part of the family of God is not a biblical idea. That's a empty word promise that the world has to offer. You see, you and I are born because of our sin at odds with God. The Bible says that we come forth from our mother's womb speaking lies. That every single person in this room from the very first moment that you could, you have sinned against God. Not just once or twice. This is not that thing that you did that one time in high school that you wish you hadn't have done. It's not that one night in college where you messed up and you should have made a better decision. This is every single day your heart is drawn away from God towards the things of this world because it's woven into your DNA because the Bible says one man sinned and that was Adam in the Garden of Eden. And because of that, sin has passed upon all men for all have sinned. So today you sit in a room full of sinners you say, well, you can't call me that. I'm calling myself that. We're sinners. We've broken God's law. The Bible says that there's none righteous, no, not one. And here's the the, the important part of the matter. The wrath of God is upon all the children of disobedience. What that means is one day when you die and I die, we're gonna get what we have coming to us. And that's the wrath of God the wrath of God will be poured out for all of eternity in a place called hell. And for those that die in their sin, to pay for your sin because you are a child of disobedience, God's wrath will be poured out forever in a place called hell where you'll be separated from God and there's no getting out of that. Every person in this room has earned themselves a one-way ticket to hell. That is what the Bible says. But here's the best news you'll ever hear in your entire life, I promise you this. God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to go to hell that he sent his son Jesus to die in your place so that you can be forgiven of your sins and not be a child of disobedience, but become a child of God. That's the best news ever, that Jesus came and died in your place. We're getting ready next week to, to uh, kick off our Christmas celebration here at Who We Call it. Uh, For all, those of you that have been waiting for months, next week is Christmas music, okay, just so you know. My daughter's been playing Christmas music for like the last six weeks and it's driving me bananas. But why do we celebrate Christmas? Why is it such a big deal? Because God became a man and he came to us. That's a big deal, first of all, but why did he come to us? He came for one particular purpose, to die for our sins. That's what makes this the greatest news you'll ever hear in your life that you don't have to go to hell. You don't have to have the wrath of God poured out on you for all of eternity because Jesus died in your place. But you got to make a decision for yourself. You must make a decision. I put my faith in Jesus Christ as savior as the payment for my sins. And I'm turning away from my sin and I'm turning to Jesus. And the Bible says if you're willing to do that that you can be saved. That with a heart man believeth when the mouth confession is made unto righteousness. That if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world, that he died for your sins and you turn today from your sins and turn to Jesus, the Bible says you can be saved today. But let me just tell you this. If you are not a child of God, you're a child of disobedience. And if you're a child of disobedience, the wrath of God will be poured out on you for all of eternity. I know this is not a popular thing to say, I know some of you might feel a little bit uncomfortable that I'm saying this, but I'm gonna shoot you straight from the Bible. Here's the thing. If you went to the doctor and the doctor knew you had cancer and he just pats you on the head and tells you that you're okay, just go home and try to do better, he wouldn't be doing you any favors. If you come to a place where the person who is preaching from God's word knows that someone in this room might be on their way to hell, I would be doing a great disservice to just say, hey, go out and try to do better this week. I'm gonna shoot you straight. And if you're here today and you don't know for sure that heaven is your home, you'll have the opportunity before you leave here today to, to know 100% certain that your sins are forgiven and that heaven's your home. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. For me, I was nine years old when I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I knew I'd sinned against God and I prayed and I asked God to forgive me of my sins and he did as a nine-year-old boy. But since I was a nine-year-old boy, I've had to continue to go back to Jesus and ask for forgiveness because I continually, continually make a massive mess out of my life. I continue to sin against God, even though I don't want to, even though I try not to. I need to continually be forgiven. But we cannot, cannot just lay down in our sin and give up. We cannot be enslaved to our sin anymore. Romans chapter six says that we've been cut free. Don't go back to that again. If you're a child of God here today, you've been let out of the prison of sin. Don't go back and visit. You've been set free. Live like you're free. As we take a look at this morning, this passage of scripture, we see, uh, first of all, as it talks about the light, the Bible tells us that the light of the world is Jesus. That if we live in a dark world today, it's because the light is being tried to, people are trying to put the light out. The name Jesus isn't a welcome name anymore in our society. You have uh, city council meetings where people can pray, but they just can't pray in the name of Jesus. You're welcome to pray in any type of interfaith prayer you wanna pray, but just don't say the name of Jesus. We see high high school football games at public schools where students cannot pray in the name of Jesus. Why is that? Why can we pray in the name of of, uh, a Muslim God? but not pray in the name of Jesus? Why can we pray to to anything else that we want to? Why can we pray to ourselves if we wanted to, but not the name of Jesus because there's an attack on the light of the world? But let me just tell you this. This is a light that cannot be put out. You cannot stop the work of Jesus You cannot shut down the light of Jesus, and Jesus Christ says he is the light of the world. John chapter eight, verse number 12, then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Hey, you wanna figure life out? You wanna have purpose in life? You wanna know where this whole thing's going? Let me just tell you this. Get a hold of the light. The light brings everything into focus, the light gives you a clear path ahead. The light changes everything. Things that were once very confusing aren't confusing anymore because the light makes sense of it. And Jesus is the light. You see, you and I that were are children of God, we were once in darkness, but now we are the light. If you take a look at verse number eight. For you were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse number eight doesn't say that we were necessarily in darkness. It says we were darkness. You were so consumed by your own self and consumed by your own sin that you were complete and utter darkness. But you're no longer darkness, you're now the light. You see, spiritual darkness is the work and domain of Satan. It's an amazing thing. our church is situated in a very unique place. If you take a look at Waimanu Street out here, uh, you have multi-million dollar condominiums uh, right across the street. You have a, a really nice restaurant next door, and you have a, the largest outdoor shopping mall in the world right across the street from us over here uh, on Waimanu Street. Uh, just uh, two years ago, they completed a $500 million renovation on the mall over there. So you take the largest shopping, outdoor shopping mall in the world, and they spent half a billion dollars to make it even bigger. And in addition to that, you get these condos across the street that that go for multi-million dollars uh, over at uh, Park Lane over here, right over here at Ala Moana Shopping Center. Uh, The condos are across the front. The penthouse there sold as the the most expensive uh, condominium ever sold in the history of Hawaii, right across the street from us. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever been on Kona Street before? (laughs) Kona Street's a little bit different, right? Not as much glitz and glamor back there, right? And just know this, we, we, we've been here for, for five years. We've never had any major issues here, so it's an incredibly safe place to be. It's just one of the things, I don't like to hang out on Kona Street after dark because the things that go on back there after dark are not good things. Now, I'll go through there during the middle of the day. I'll hang out back there in the middle of the day. We'll drive our cars back through there in the middle of the day. I don't let my kids walk around back there at night by themselves. Why? Because the things that go on back there are very shady two bars back there, there's a strip club back there, there's known drug activity, known prostitution activity that takes place back there, and you say, oh, we should do something about it. The police already know all about it. We have on the street behind us an illegal gambling room back there too, and you say, well, call the police. They were called about a year ago, and they've done nothing about it so far. They say they're working on it though, so uh, we'll just give them a little bit more time. How about that, right? But you know what? When everything begins to change back here, when the sun goes down, when it starts to get a little bit dark outside. Nobody goes into a strip club and parks their car out front. You know what they do? They park their cars down the street so that nobody sees what they do. A lot of the guys that walk in there have their hats pulled down really far and have, have jackets over them. Why? Because they're ashamed of what they're doing. They want the cover of darkness to cover up their sin. Just as darkness in the world People try to use that as a cover for their sin. Spiritual darkness does the same thing in our lives. You see, you might not uh, be on Kona Street at two o'clock in the morning looking to buy drugs or pick up a prostitute, but maybe you're at two o'clock in the morning at home watching something on television you shouldn't watch. Maybe you're not trying to pick up a prostitute, but maybe you sent a a text message to a coworker this week that maybe crossed the line a little bit of what you should have said. You see, we think that nobody knows what's going on. The Bible says that everything will be exposed. And spiritual darkness is where Satan likes to work. He likes to work in the dark where where you think that you have the cover of your sin. There's no covering for your sin. It'll be exposed one day. Know this, if nobody else, God knows. But we can't allow spiritual darkness to exist Take a look at John chapter three, verse number 19. Jesus said this, and this is condemnation that the light cometh into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth light neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be manifest that they are wrought in God. You know, one of the things I love about our church being where it's at is because we're right next to Kona Street hey, I don't want to be away from where sin is taking place. I want to be in the middle of it. Why? Because we're the only hope that they have. I hope that some guy at two o'clock in the morning stumbles drunk out of a bar and looks up and sees a sign for a church. I hope that. That would be a really, really good thing. I hope somebody thinks that they're gonna go to a strip bar on Kona Street one night and drives back there and sees a sign of a church and immediately is overwhelmed by the guilt of their sin and they drive off. I hope that happens. That would be a really, really good thing. But you see, Christians, many times, we fear the spiritual darkness when we're called to be the light in the darkness. We're not supposed to run from the sin of this world. We're supposed to, and we'll take a look in just a second, we're supposed to shine the light on it. That's what Christians are supposed to do. You see, Jesus living in us makes us the light. You see, Jesus said he was the light of the world. You say, well, Jesus needs to shine a little bit brighter. Here's the thing. Jesus left, and you know what he told us when he left? You're the light of the world now. How about that? If you take a look at, uh, in your notes, uh, Matthew chapter five, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city that sat on a hill cannot be hid. So Jesus says, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving you in charge. The light of the world now exists in bodily form in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, but he left a bunch of little lights behind to shine in his absence. So while Jesus is the light of the world, you and I are now the light of the world. Why? Because Jesus is shining through us. Take your index finger and stick it up in the air. Go around in a circle like this. How many of you know what I'm getting ready to say? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Stop. Look at your neighbor. Do they have their light up? If your neighbor doesn't have their light up, look at them and go, really? Really? Let's try this again. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Don't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let it shine. Don't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Now think about this for a second. Keep your light up for just a second. If we take these lights tomorrow, wherever you go, to your workplace, and you let it shine at your workplace, do you think it'll be a little bit brighter there? I think so. We got maybe, I don't know, 150, 175 lights up. If we take those out into our city this week and just let them shine this week, it's gonna be a little bit brighter. You say, well, I can't let my light, keep your lights up. I see some of you putting your lights down. Keep it up, (laughs) I ain't done yet. Here's the thing, you say, I can't let my light shine. My arm's getting tired just holding my hand up in the air, right? It's not about what you can shine. It's about Jesus shining through you. I'm not trying to show people how great Anthony is this week. I'm trying to show people how great Jesus is this week. I'm not trying to point people to Anthony this week. I'm trying to point people to Jesus this week, and I'm letting the light shine through me. Okay, you can put your lights down now. Thank you. You're so nice. But here's the thing, every light needs a power source. You gotta have it. Nothing more frustrating than to pull a a flashlight out of a, a drawer and you go to hit the button and it doesn't work. And then let me ask you this, who really has like C batteries sitting around the house? Nobody does. Those that prepared for the last hurricane still have C batteries, right? Other than that, you didn't have them before that. Why don't, ba- why don't most flashlights take double A's? I don't know. I got, a, I got a ridiculous amount of double A's. I have no C batteries whatsoever, and I never have them when I need them. I even brought, bought a really cool flashlight. I'm a flashlight guy. Uh, I like buying flashlights. I, f- I, found, I found this flashlight uh, on the internet. It's 2200 lumens. We're talking like, it's like a torch, like a flamethrower, right? And so I was so excited. I ordered it. I had to order it from China. It took forever to get here. Oh, it took forever. And then finally I get it. I, I can't wait. I'm excited. I take off the top. I go to put my batteries in, and the batteries don't fit. I was like, what the world? And so then I look and realize that it doesn't take double A's. It doesn't take A's, B's, C's, anything like that. It takes 18650 lithium-ion batteries. What is that? Who has those? And so I think to myself, I don't have 18650. So what do I do? I do what everybody does when you don't have what you need. You go on Amazon, right? And I go, I just order my stupid batteries then for my, for my torch that I got, right? And so I get my batteries loaded up in my car. I get the rechargeable ones. I get a really good deal on them. And so I go to add them out. I go to check out. And it tells me, this can't be shipped to your address, right? <laughs> Why? Because you can't ship lithium batteries to, to Hawaii anymore. Great. So what do I have? I have this really awesome flashlight, 2200 lumens. It's like a torch. It's like a flamethrower, right? Guess what? It has no batteries, You know what good it is? None. None. No, it looks great. It looks awesome. And like you go to push the button on it and like you're all excited, like you like stand back to push the button on it and nothing happens. Why? It has no power. You and I, if we're not connected to the power source, we have no light this week. But you see, if Christ is at work in me, I've got all the power that I need. I got all the light that I need. But when I'm disconnected from the power source, my light's really weak, dim, or non-existent. We have to stay connected to the power source. Jesus is the light of the world, but we are the light now. You see, walking in the light gives us fellowship with Jesus and other believers. <laughs> Bible tells us in 1 John chapter number one, but walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. You see, as we walk in the light, we decide to walk in righteousness. We decide to do the right thing. We decide to live according to what the Bible says we should do. The Bible says that we have a tight relationship with Jesus and we have a close relationship with one another. You see, let me just tell you this. This church is not full of perfect people. This church is full of sinners. We already determined that. But we're a group of sinners who are trying to walk in the light. We don't, we don't hit it 100% of the time, but we're trying to walk in the light. And what draws us together is the fact that we are a bunch of sinners who need Jesus to try to help us walk in the light. And that brings a connection between us. We're not just a bunch of people who are just like, oh, we're sinners, I guess we can just continue to sin because this is who we are, this is what we'll always do. No, 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 we're sinners and we're not happy about it. We're not content living the way that the world says to live because we know there's no joy, no happiness there but we are connected to one another as we walk in the light together. And you just have to read through 1 John. It's really heavy stuff. He says this, if you start walking in darkness, but say you know the Lord, you're a liar. Because if you really knew the Lord, you would wanna walk in the light where he's at, because that's where the good stuff is found. And so as we walk in the light, we have a connection with other people who are going the same direction we are. Here's the great thing about the church is when, when we're connected the way that we should be, And somebody who's walking in the light begins to stray over to the darkness. The good thing about a church working the way that it should is we're able to pull each other back into the light. Hey, don't go there. It's not good for you. Hey, I missed you the last couple of weeks at church. Is everything okay with you? Hey, I saw some things you posted on Facebook, and mm, I'm not trying to judge you. I'm just saying that I know where you're trying to go in your life, and the things that you said online aren't consistent with where you're trying to go. I'm not judging you. I'm just trying to help you walk in the light. I need that. I want that. That helps me. You need that. That's what the church gives us. It's a family. Nobody's judging anybody here. Nobody's pointing fingers at other people. No, nobody's saying, ah, can you believe that guy said that?" No, no, no. It's about us walking this walk together, in the light, together. Next, final thought this morning, verse number 11. It says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That word reprove means to expose them. You see, the light exposes the darkness for what it is. The light really just shows what the darkness is all about. And the Bible says we shouldn't be caught up in the deeds of this world, but we should shine the light on them instead. That means when we hear somebody saying something that's inappropriate, we say, hey, I don't have to say stuff like that. You hear someone say something derogatory about a woman, you say, hey, we don't talk like that. Save that. You say, well that well that, that could get me in trouble. Eh, you've been in trouble before. You'll be all right. Reprove. But you see, many Christians fear the light because they're afraid it'll expo- expose their own lives. You know what I found oftentimes when talking with people about sharing their faith? I say, number one reason why people don't share their faith is, somebody help me with that, fear, right? Fear, number one reason. And you get into to dissecting what fear looks like, right? It's fear, that, fear of rejection, fear that I won't know what to say. But often one of the things that comes up is fear that I'll tell somebody something that I'm not doing myself, then I want to tell people about this great Jesus who can deliver them from their sins and can give them a life of joy and, and peace that they've never had before. I'm going to introduce them to Jesus who died for their sins, but I'm still living in my own sin. But I still have a really foul mouth. But I still go out and get drunk from time to time too. But everybody knows that uh, last time we went on that work trip that I did some things that I shouldn't have done. So I can't really share my faith the way I want to because the things that are in my own life. And many Christians fear the light because they're afraid of shining it on themselves. Hey, tonight we're gonna take a look in from 2 Corinthians, how the Bible says that we should examine ourselves. We should check our own hearts. I should check myself to see if I'm walking the walk the way that I should. Self-examination is a really good thing. But here's it doesn't stop there. Because many times, most of us can agree that self-examination isn't always the best type of examination. Sometimes I need somebody else to examine me too. Hey, here's what I'm I'm thinking of. What do you think about this? Maybe I should ask my spouse, hey, how do you think I'm doing in my role as a husband and a father? What are some things I could do better? Because many times we can lie to ourselves. You can't lie to, to the people you live with. They know. But don't fear the light because you're afraid of what it'll show you. You need to crave the light so that it can show you what you need to fix so that now I can be more useful to Christ because I can now stand for truth because I've allowed truth to rule my own life as well. You see, we must live in the light if we're gonna be the light of the world. If I'm called to be the light of the world, I've gotta shine my light in ugly places. (laughs) You see, as Christians, we've gotta stand for What's right, and that means sometimes we gotta shine the light on what's wrong. I, um, I'm grieved every time I hear of any type of act of violence against somebody. Every time that there's a, a shooting in a, a nightclub, a bar, a school, I'm grieved by that. And I think to myself, well, these Americans were better than this, right? But for every news headline that runs of a mass shooting somewhere, we never hear about the other deaths that happened through drunk driving. Did you know that last year in America, 2017, there were 375,000 DUI deaths last year? 375,000. 1,000 people a day are dying in America. Due to what? Alcohol. Are we outraged by this? No, we're not. Would you say, Oh, that's what responsible adults should be able to do. They should be able to 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 do hey, I'm I'm just gonna stand here today and I'm gonna shine a light on something that I'd say is a cancer in America. Simple as that. Hey, what about the six hundred and fifty thousand or so abortions that took place in America last year? Is anybody outraged by that? Or do we just say that it's a woman's choice? Do we just make that a political issue? Or should we as Christians shine a light on it? I'm not talking about making signs up and getting on TV and and yelling at people and being ugly and throwing eggs and stuff like that. I'm talking about just speaking out and just saying, hey, this isn't right. I can't stand for this. Let me just say this. I'm embarrassed that we live in a country where people by the hundreds of thousands are dying due to alcohol. You wanna talk about preventable deaths? Those were 100% preventable. You take a look at death by abortion, 100% preventable. We as Christians have to shine light on things like that. That's why I'm so grieved by the prostitution that takes place in our city. And again, you might say, oh, that's why I hate living in Hawaii. Hey, you go to any major city they got major issues, just know that. I come from a town of 4,000 people, and per capita, the meth problem in my hometown in Kentucky is ridiculous. Every town's got its problems. We got our own problems. But one of the things that grieves me about the prostitution here is the fact that these are people that are being sex trafficked. And it's happening a block away from us. I'm outraged by it. Angela and I, last night, we're driving home from somewhere. I forget where it was at. It was like 6 o'clock at night, and we see, uh, we're in Waikiki. Uh, we're, we're driving there the, uh, where Kalakaua crosses over to where uh, Ala Moana Boulevard starts. Uh, There's there a 7-Eleven there, and we see a, a, a pimp and a prostitute walking across the street together. And I look at that, and I go, ah, oh, I don't understand it. And I can get mad, and I can roll down my window and say ugly things. I can write letters to the politicians and ask them to crack down and get tough on crime. Or how about this? I can just start being the light. You say, well, that won't make a difference. I don't care if it makes a difference or not. It's what God told me to do. He told me to walk in the light and told me to be the light of the world. I'm gonna start doing that. And I don't know whether it's I'm gonna pray for those people when I see them. I don't know what, we're, uh, what we should do as a church to reach out to, to the, the bars and the strip clubs that are feet from our church, feet from where you're seated today. seated today. I don't know how we fix that, but I'm telling you this, we've gotta do something that's what light does it exposes the wrong and says hey let's fix this together that's what we've been called to do we have to be grieved by sin the way that god is grieved by sin (laughs) i'm tired of christians excusing sin as just bad behavior Oh, yeah, that pornography, it's just a bad habit that I got. No, it's not. It's a sin against God. It's a sin against your own body. It's a sin against your spouse or your future spouse. Stop making excuses for it. Well, you know, the fact that I leave work early and I don't get stuff done, you know, it's just it's just who I am, you know, I don't have really good work at work ethic. No, call it what you will. Call yourself lazy. And when you leave before you're supposed to leave, call that theft from your employer. How about that? It's a sin. Well, I like to to talk with my friends about, uh, you know, things that are going on in the world and people that we know and and sometimes we even pray for them. Uh, Stop calling it that and start calling it gossip. Well, I'm just kind of hot-headed sometimes. Stop calling it that and start saying you have an anger problem and it's a sin. Well, I just say what's on my mind. Start saying that you don't have control over your own tongue and it's a sin and confess it before God. You know why? Because you're called to be the light of the world. Stop walking in darkness. And to do this, I have to be grieved by my own sin the way that God is grieved by my sin. When I see sin in the world, I have to be grieved by it. Not just think that it's the way that things are now. I'm telling you this, our society is in the shape that it's in because Christians today have just figured out, well, this is just how the world is. This is just how people act. We're living in a new era. Kids are different these days. Hey, I'm not gonna stand for that. Well, kids these days, they just like to look at their phones and zone out and not talk to anybody and and have a bad attitude. Hey, that's fine if that's somebody else's kids, not my kids. I'm not gonna let my kids do that. My kids are still gonna shake people's hand and look them in the eye and say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I don't care what other kids are doing today. I have to take control of me and the people God's given me leadership over. And my sin... In the sense of those that I know have to grieve me the way it grieves the heart of God. Final thoughts this morning and we're done. It's time to own our responsibility. If you're the light of the world, start shining. If we're called to bring light to a dark place, bring it. We can look back at history and blame our parents and people along the way. We can say that problems started whenever they they took prayer out of public schools. That's fine, you can place the blame, but let me just tell you this, the problem is when Christians stop praying at home. That's where a lot of the problems started. We can look at our society and say how we've made uh, concessions here and there for this and that. Hey, let's just start taking ownership for where we are today and start being the light. Next, we have to make the light easy to find. We have to let people know where they can find hope, where they can find joy, where they can find forgiveness, where they can find the best life that they could ever possibly imagine, where they can find eternal life, and we gotta make the light easy to find. Because people that have been walking in darkness for years or have been walking in darkness their entire life, they're not looking for the light. We have to make it easy for them to find. Uh, in your bulletin day, you should have gotten these uh, super cool uh, Christmas invites that we have. Some people go to church Christmas and Easter, and that's it. Guess what? We have the opportunity to capitalize on a time where we can invite people to church. I'm gonna make the light easy to find this Christmas. Hey, we're having a, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., we're celebrating Christmas, and then Christmas Eve, six o'clock, come, bring the whole family. It's gonna be an awesome time to celebrate Christmas with us this year. I'm gonna make the, the light really easy to find. Final thought. We must keep our life clean to keep the light shining brightly. If I want the light to shine brightly through me, the light has to be shining brightly in me. I gotta keep my life right. That's why the Bible says here, don't get caught up in the things that the world is doing. Don't let these sexual sins even be named among you. Don't even talk about stuff like that. It goes on to say things that that it should be ashamed to even speak of those things which these people do. I'm embarrassed to even say what's going on in our world today. You know why? Because my life's different. It's gotta be. Now, do I hit 100% every day? I don't, but I want to. I wanna be progressively growing. I hope you can look at your life today versus your life at the beginning of this year and say, I'm closer to Jesus than I was at the beginning of this year. And if you can't say that, I want to encourage you by the end of the year to be able to say that. That if there's some area in your life you need to make right, make it right today. There's sin that needs to be confessed in your life, confess it today. If there's something that is not right between you and God or you and another person, make it right today so that the light can begin shining brightly. And I'm going to challenge every single person in this room today that during the Christmas season, let the light shine. I don't care what you do or how you do it, whether you bake cookies and take them to work, whether you uh, buy a gift for a neighbor, I don't care what you do, let the light shine. This is Christmas. We get to tell people, God became a man for the purpose of saving you from your sins. It's the best news we got. And it's an easy opportunity to let our light shine this year. Most important thing in the world, though, today, is if you're here today and you don't know for sure that when you die, heaven's your home. Maybe there's never been in a time in your life where you've put your faith in Christ as your savior. You got no light to shine because you're still walking in darkness. Oh, you can try to do good things this Christmas season, but you're still walking in darkness. You need Jesus Christ as the source of light in your life. If you're here today and you don't know for sure that heaven is your home when you die, take care of that before you leave. We'll have an opportunity to do that at the end of the service today. Don't walk out those double doors without knowing for sure that your sins are forgiven and heaven's your home. For those of us that are children of God, though, the light of the world has come to live in you. It's your job this week to shine and to walk in the light.